Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So this morning, we remember the 49th day of Alexa is one of our Sangha members, her mother-in-law. It's her 49th day today of her death. And many of us are feeling quite shaken also by the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Feeling uncertain. Same as like the schedule this morning. <laughs> so sometimes we just have to work with what's happening and allow ourselves to be surprised. So sweet to sit in the Zendo this morning. Beautiful light. Sitting with Kanjin, who's been coming kind of regularly here. And the first time sitting with Dan in like eight months. <laughs> Makes you appreciate bodies in a different kind of way that we have bodies. And very often we think about, or I hear about, people think, oh, this practice is not embodied. It's not a body practice. And it really is. Every aspect of our zazen, about the grounding, is through our body. The uprightness of our spine, the tongue behind the front teeth, our hands in the cosmic mudra, is all these places of ways of getting the energy going and having a dynamic experience in your body. in your tenderness, in your uprightness. Sloughing off what's not needed so that we can wake up. Mm -hmm. 
how do you do that? How do you slough off what's not needed? Because we think, oh, it's hard or it's not. Or... Chodo and I have been having a lot of conversations with board members and different people about succession planning and trying to think about how do we practice for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. How are each of us functioning in a way that preserves that, ensures that we're all involved. We're all responsible in our own way, how each of us participate in our unique way, what each of us have to offer and what each of us receive. I've been so moved by the study that we're doing on Wednesdays. Some of you I think are involved in that. Can't see all of you, <laughs> but I can imagine you. And we're studying the instructions to the cook, which is one of in the beginning of the course, we're studying that and then we're moving into his, Dogen's writings about how to be in community and harmony, which of course are not really two things, but they are two separate pieces of writing. And it's one of the initial things that he wrote about after he returned from China. He wrote it even before he founded Ahiji. He found it in what was that first called um, Kanandori, but then became known as Koshoji. And it was really important to him, as many of us know about how he had these amazing experiences with this cook in China that really woke him up. And so he was inspired right away, like when he moved back in his own monastery, his own training temple that exists to this day, still functioning. The Makugyo is still beating there. Hold on. And he wrote this piece because it's so important to see how we pay attention. And the piece is really about 
in some ways, difference and harmony and difference, which of course is a huge theme in our practice. How do we appreciate difference? How do we appreciate harmony? And of course, harmony comes from how we are with difference. And in the beginning of this text that we talked about on Wednesday, I just feel like we could read it again and again and again and again and again, at least for a lifetime. He says, Buddhist monasteries have in principle six stewards. And in many ways, I've been thinking about that word, stewards. That you need at least six stewards to have a monastery. People who are clear about their dedication. Of course, he says in principle, so it doesn't mean always. But how important it is to have people who are all in. He says, all are disciples of Buddha and carry out the work of Buddha. Remember, this was, you know, way before some European guy went over there and said, oh, all of this is Buddhism. <laughs> this is a religion. I always like to remind myself and others of that, that that's actually a new thing. People thought of themselves as a disciple of the Buddha, of Buddha itself, not of the Buddha. Disciple of Buddha, disciple of awakening. And carry out the work of awakening. So exciting. So amazing. What would it be like to take that on fully? to be a disciple of awakening. Do my thoughts, words, and actions express the work of awakening? So I love that we're both a disciple of awakening, but also then how we function is a way of awakening. Many of us have this, you know, idea in our heads of, you know, practice on the cushion is one thing. And then how we are in our life is something else. 
So this second sentence of this text clarifies that right away. All the time. All the time. We carry out the work of awakening. How do we do this in this time? Where many of us are very worried, have lots of concerns. And to me, actually, I don't even care what kind of politics you have, whatever that is. But how do you participate and how do your actions reflect the actions of awakening? How you think. Many people I know have fallen into despair or just frozen in fear. as the wonderful being Gloria Steinem said that fear does not move mountains. So getting caught in our fear does not help us to move what actually does move. Even mountains move, actually, continuously. We just think that they're still. The Rocky Mountains are still growing all the time. The Adirondack and the Appalachian Mountains are receding all the time. How do your thoughts, words, and actions meet what you're afraid of? How do they carry out the work of awakening? As I always like to remind myself is that to be fearless is to feel your fear and keep moving. Oh. Okay. Dogen says among these six are is the officer known as the cook? And I love that part of that sentence. Who is in charge, in case you didn't know, 
of preparing meals. for the assembly of monks. What is that sentence about? Among them is an officer known as the cook. who is in charge of preparing meals for the assembly of monks. It's so important. I love his clarity and he keeps like bringing it out in that one sentence. And I was playing with that in my mind yesterday. I was like putting myself in that shoes of that role. Among them is Koshin, who is in charge of, in this moment, serving the Sangha. Practicing with the Sangha. So interesting for each of us to really reflect on that. Like, who are you? And how do you embody your role as an expression of carrying out the work of awakening? It's such an amazing thing to consider. You know, in Dogasan, when we meet, this teacher and student meet together face to face, and people always often, and especially in the beginning, say like, oh, why do I have to, like you said, you go in and you do a full bow, and then you say, because we do a full bow so that we're putting this part of our head, our frontal lobe on the ground, like enough of that, and lift up the Buddha mind. So it's kind of an enactment, an embodiment of this phrase that Dogen is talking about. Carrying out the work of the Buddha is like, oh, oh, enough of this, my preferences and feelings about everything and what is fresh. Oh, feels good. And then we sit and we say, my name is Koshin and my practice is Town in My Breath or the koan such and such. This is very much in line with what Dogen is suggesting. I'm such and such and my practice isn't such and such. So in Dogasan, it's a way of like, it's this short exchange to like really get to it. 
how are we working with that awakening process in our activity? How are you? What's your activity? How are you carrying out the work of the Buddha? What a wonderful question. What am I doing? I, what's my deal? But not your ideal. What is your deal? Like, what are you actually doing? Many people have the things that ideally they're doing. but it's very different from what you're actually doing. It's very rare to like kind of whatever reason to fully give ourselves to the way such a strange thing. We're like, hmm, I'll do this much. <laughs> I'll do a little bit. Or I'll be like a little bit in the hokey pokey, but I'm not getting to the end. Some of you know I love the hokey pokey. <laughs> I just find the end of it so exciting. <laughs> I feel like it's like deep, it's like the, it's the path itself. It's like, I'm a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, that part, that part. And then we take it out. And then we like put our soul, whole self in. <laughs> so how rare is that? But to me, I find it exhilarating. And you can feel it, right? It's like, so excited. And all of us will practice differently. The great Ajahn Chah, the wonderful teacher, you know, said, if you want to be a little bit free, just practice a little bit. If you want to be kind of free, practice a little bit more. But if you want to be totally free, practice with everything. Not an idea. Not an idea. And to me, it was so wonderful about the practice period that many of us did just now, was that so many different flavors of what that can look like. 
so many unique flavors, so many differences, and yet many same shared heart. So much shared. Just different expressions. I personally always find it a little creepy when people feel like they have to, it has to look a certain way. Dogen says next, in the next sentence, in order to offer nourishment to the monks of the community, there is a cook. We have to embody our role. For there to be nourishment, there has to be someone in charge of the nourishment. When many of us used to come to the center, actually, in some ways, Kanchen was the cook. He was constantly always bringing the snacks, feeding all the hungry practitioners with delicious and nutritious snacks every week. and others too. But it's such a beautiful role. Just show up with the stuff. But how do we do that, not just with physical food, but also with spiritual food? How do we show up for each other? How do we care for one another? And to realize that how our community cares actually impacts other people. He says then, from ancient times, the position has been assigned to senior monks who have a way-seeking mind. Eminent persons who have been aroused the thought of awakening. In another translation that we were looking at this week, it says that someone who is settled into the way. Or one of the other expressions I like to think of often is the way of resting on the receptive ground of the Dharma. 
But I really also love this expression of settling into the way. Someone who's settled into the way. You can feel that. And to me, it just means that the person's completely where they are. <laughs> it's not some abstract fantasy. And we all know what that feels like to be with someone who is just like completely where they are. Comfortable even, even if they're feeling uncomfortable. Intimate. I always remember actually, you know, taking this a, a bus, but it's kind of like, because it's going to the Hamptons, which is this place near New York City, kind of a little fancy place. And didn't used to be fancy. Like when our teacher, Diane, moved there like almost, almost 60 years ago, like people thought she was insane because it was just like farms. <laughs> But I remember Chodo, you know, shortly, I may have come, my goodness, it probably was 18 years ago. Right after we had met, he, we went out to see his teacher. And I remember getting off the bus, which is called the Jitney, and uh, getting off the Jitney at this little cafe and Diane standing there with these, her big, she always wears these huge sunglasses. <laughs> And just like, so relaxed, so cool. <laughs> and just there, you no know, like purple outfit. <laughs> so alive. To me, it always reminds me of that. Someone settled into the way. Well, back then she was probably like in her seventies. <laughs> and actually these days I feel like she has more energy now than then. Still gardening for most of the day and tending to her huge labyrinth in the woods. <laughs> so inspiring, hanging upside down for like an hour, doing yoga, making her green juices. <laughs> but to me, that's the, and the qualities and that's her expression it's not wouldn't be my life you know it's not my life but it's so wonderful that it's hers how amazing but to me that's like kind of what i always think of when i think of someone settled into the way it's just like thoroughly there not afraid Not afraid.
In general, Dogen says, the job of a cook is an all-consuming pursuit of the way. I mean, it's so similar to like just watching when we were, when Chodo and I visited her in her garden like a month or two ago and just like watching her lift up things and put them down like a fork. Like totally doing that. all-consuming pursuit of the way. The next, I'll leave you with the next sentence. Not really leaving you, because where is anyone going? That's another idea, that we go somewhere. If one lacks the way-seeking mind, it will be nothing but vain struggle and hardship. But the great thing is, in the next moment, we can come back to the way-seeking mind. Ever gotten into like a kerfuffle in your head? One of you, the rest of you are flowing like a babbling brook. I think it's always so important to realize like we can come back to the way-seeking mind, come back to that spacious clarity. And because we're gonna constantly get caught by some idea and then we can come back. But the tricky part is like we can get really into some story. Anyone ever do that? especially about who we are. Like, I'm not that kind of person. Things are hard for me or they're not hard for me or I can do it or I can't do it. Or this really popular one is like, this practice is so hard. Anyone ever think that? Just one here. But it's like, oh, that's like, that's just like another story. And we can come back to the way seeking mind. Ah, I'm back. You move into tenderness here. I can move into love. Wonder about, wow, this life. and be with the moving mountains. 
and actually be the moving mountains, fearless, ebbing and flowing. Thank you all.